Welcome to the Houdini RC Heli Podcast. This is Chapter 8. Today's date is 6-21-2020. Today we have Kenny with us. Hey guys. And that's all. <laughs> Brent's busy with anniversary and Father's Day. We are off the hook for a little bit, so we're going to try to get his podcast in, whether it may be short or long, who knows. I bet we have a couple things to talk about. Again. <laughs> what? Didn't, didn't, didn't we have enough of that on the last podcast? We did. I will mute that. Are you still winning? <laughs> I'm still winning. No, it's, it's perfectly fine. It's it's part of the podcast now. <laughs> awesome. All right. I'll start first. What have I been doing this week? Just work crud and getting back to kind of normal. Sleep schedule was way better this week. Work was decent, not horrible. It's good. Father's Day stuff uh, yesterday. Went out of town after I woke up and stayed till nine ten o'clock at night, and then drove back last night. So, sleep schedule wise, I'm I'm good. I'm on a good schedule. I just need to get out and fly a little bit more. And you, Kenny? It's pretty much the same thing. Flew yesterday. Uh, actually, yesterday was kind of it was a long day. We got up there early in the morning, and it was five thirty quarter to six when I got home so it was a good day of flying wow was it dark Mm -hmm. was it dark yet no no it's not dark yet (laughs) when does time change hit I don't know for a while yeah I don't I don't keep track of it either but yeah I had a good time yesterday had a friend that came out from round rock he's been out of the hobby for several years He's getting back into the hobby with an airplane, which is fine. It's good. I'm glad to see he's doing something. And so yesterday I spent a good portion of my time helping him with airplane stuff that really we didn't get very far. Kind of ran into a problem. But anyway, I'm glad to see that even people that's been out of the hobby for a long time gets interested in and gets back in so yeah if it's in your blood it's in your blood you're not gonna be able to ignore it forever in my opinion yeah he was he was actually kind of surprised whenever he did his ama even though he's been out of the hobby for 10 years 10 plus years (laughs) uh, when they renewed his ama they gave him the same number back yeah when i was out for three or four years when i got back in they gave me the same number that's kind of cool yeah well it's I've never been out. When I got in, I've, I've been in. So, uh, that's funny. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that just real quick. If any of you guys listen to this podcast and you know me or you know Kenny, me and myself, I try not to say anybody's name unless I have prior approvals to be able to use it, so forth and so on. So if I do say your name and you don't like it, let me know. I can pull it out of the podcast pretty easy. But if you're listening to this and you're cool with it, shoot me a text message or something like that. I'm going to try to touch base with all the people I'd normally hang out with at some point, but just something to touch on real quick. Yeah, that's a good idea. Just to touch base. Some people, some people don't like it. Some people do. I don't want to piss anybody off more than I already do. So what else is up? That's about it for his family and crud. I need to keep paying on a car and 
keep working on the house at some point. But did you go flying? I did. I got. So I woke up. I got home yesterday after work and went to sleep and got up about three o'clock and decided to drive to Schulenburg, Texas, where my wife and her sister were having a small party and stuff. Such they live on some land on a hill. So packed some stuff up and headed out that way. And got out there about six o'clock and put a flight on the A7 and a flight on the XL380. Awesome. And they were good. Uh, where they live, they live on a, on on a hill, and the open area faces south. So. Being in Texas, you always have some south wind blowing up the hill. So not super enjoyable having the model keep getting pushed back into your face, but it's flying, it's flying, I guess, at some point. I keep getting, uh, I wanted to touch on this, I, I keep getting, I, I, I say it, keep getting bored when I'm flying, but I need to set up a flight routine and start working on like a, a three to three and a half minute flight routine, maybe you know, just start with something and start expanding it because I'm just flying rogue. I call it. I just, you know, when I fly, I just do whatever I want. I'm not like, I'm not concentrating on perfecting what I'm doing. I'm just like transitioning from one thing to the other thing. And the only thing that's doing the transition from one to the other is wherever it slops out from one maneuver to the next. So I've, I've been thinking on it a lot starting that up. So let me say this. Two years ago when Alan Zabo and and that group came down to Apache Pass and we were having the uh, flight school, Alan made a recommendation to me to do one thing in particular. And your your sign out name, or not name, but your sign out every time that you've signed out, it's always been stay in the box. Correct. So Alan told me that if, if you want to learn a routine, then learn how to do a routine in the same box. And if you want to hmm. go outside of that box, it's fine. But just make a square in the air. And the first step of flying in a routine would be flying that square. Try to keep your line straight not always necessarily flying in the same orientation, change up your orientations from upright to inverted to flipped around tail first, nose first. Yeah. And, but fly the box. And then when you're in the box, uh, once you kind of get that down and you, you have a pattern of flying, then start putting together something inside the box or when you're flying the square, do a flip on the, on the uh, when you're up and let's just say you're crossing over from left to right, do a flip in the middle of it and come back down. And when you're crossing back from right to left, do a flip in the middle of that one and start putting routines together inside the box. Yeah, I definitely agree with, you know, if I'm going to build a routine, try to build it within a fun fly, you know, the, normal fun fly box we have, which is, you know, a hundred, I would say a hundred feet on both sides of you. So a 200 foot, don't build a routine doing big air stuff. Cause then when you get to an event, a fun fly, it's, it's gonna fall apart on you probably. I don't know. Well, if you can learn to do a routine inside the box, then 
when the opportunity presents itself for you to do larger big air stuff, you know, like doing a really, really big hurricane or something that looks cool. You just stretch it. Yeah. You just stretch it out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely something that I've been wanting to start putting on paper. Even if I have to start on the sim, I've been thinking about a lot this week as far as like just small stuff that would look good as far as technical, but not, I don't want the whole thing to be nothing but technical stuff. I kind of want some, freestyle in there but actually have it in a routine as freestyle so i can clean out everything up clean the edges up clean clean the flight up each time i do it i'll get cleaner and cleaner with doing it so i'm just getting bored with watching myself fly <laughs> i don't know if anybody else out there kind of gets that same way but it's kind of where i'm at right now i don't get bored watching myself fly the I will say that there's days where I have better days in the air versus uh, not as good days. And I'm sure that's for every pilot that's out there. True. Uh, so that's what I did. I, you know, I got some flights in yesterday. I may end up stripping one of my Oxy threes down cause I kind of need the brain two for the 7.2 build that I'm working on. I'm going to need a brain and a, a fly barless controller and such. So, May end up stripping that down just for I don't I mainly just fly the one of them. So I may just strip it down and keep the other one for parts or so forth and so on. But well if you need a brain, I probably have one at least, right? I have at least one. <laughs> but probably more like four or five or six now. Yeah. Pretty much low on stuff at this point, but I have models I can strip down. Remember, don't sell. Yeah, I'm not selling anything. I just need to strip some stuff down. Yeah, try not to sell anything. That's about all I've been doing. Oh, uh, it's been two weeks, right? So I did crash the A5 with the carbon boom. I guess I don't know if I tightened the boom clamps too much on the frame side, but I had a noise, kind of a vibration noise in the tail when I increased the head speed up. And the head speed really wasn't that high. I believe it was, you know, 2100, but I needed more authority and pitch. And I ran the pitch up that it helped. So I started running the head speed up, even though it had a vibration noise and the boom broke where it mounts to the frame itself. So that broke, crashed, got it repaired. I need to go out and do some testing again with it. I have the aluminum boom back on it. So it'll be fine. So does that mean that parts are readily available for the A5 now? They, so KDS USA ended up, I saw some parts come in stock that shouldn't have been in stock because they haven't really got a ship, shipment in. Uh, after texting back and forth with the guy that runs the shop, they actually end up stripping. They had, I think they had 13 or 14 kits in stock. So they end up stripping three or four kits down just to put a supply of parts of main shafts and bearing blocks and so forth and so on. So, And you bought them all. I bought all the main shafts. <laughs> I, I I did not buy all the bearing blocks. I left uh I left one bearing block in stock. So, but I did pick up all the main shafts just because I'm gonna keep flying the model for now. Is there a reason why you would have to buy the bearing blocks? Couldn't you just buy the bearings? Uh, so it's kind of hard to explain. So on this model, they don't have. So you have a top bearing, well, you have a main shaft, 
let's just start at the top just to make this easy. So you have your head block, your swash plate, and then you have a top bearing block. Underneath that bearing block, you have a spacer, and then you have your tail drive gear, and then your main gear. And the main gear bolts to the main shaft with a singular, I think it's a four millimeter bolt. And underneath that is a lower bearing block. So when I crashed the model, the lower bearing block got bent quite a bit. And that's because there's no collar above the upper bearing block. So even, even though the crash wasn't that bad and all the blades made it through it, the main shaft pushes on that lower bearing block by itself. The other two bearing blocks above it have no, no effect on keeping it from getting bent. So currently I have a Align 600 collar installed above the upper bearing block to try to keep this from happening in the future. But that's the reasoning behind it. Okay, so the A5, uh, what was the crash cost like? I would say it was less than 100. Uh, the blades made it through. I ended up having to buy a main shaft. That was probably, I don't have it off the top of my head, but $10 for a main shaft. Uh, the lower bearing block was expensive. It was $28. Uh, the canopy made it through it. The skids made it through it. So in all, if you want to look at only what I replaced would be the, the the boom, the main shaft, and the lower bearing block. So, sixty five, seventy bucks. Huh, that's not bad. But it was a very lucky crash because the tail completely blew out because the tail broke off and it started pirouetting. And I fought it for a little bit and then got to hold. So, I didn't have a bunch of altitude with it. So, the tail broke off. The tail boom broke where it mounts to the frame itself. I had a vibration. I didn't know where it was coming from, but, uh, you know, eventually you find out where it comes from when you oh yeah, completely ignore it and just run the head speed up. <laughs> awesome. But it's way better now. I don't know if it was something I did on the install, but I won't be running the carbon boom on the A5. I'll keep running the, the aluminum boom. It's way cheaper, and at this point it does work a little bit better. So Cool. That's about it that I've been up to. I need to get out and air quotes practice more. <laughs> and that's all of us. So last week uh, we'd been talking about doing something previously for quite a while. So what'd you end up doing last week on Saturday? So I took vacation from work, even though I'm getting really low on vacation, but I took vacation and went out and, had a visit with Kenny and Sloan and a friend of mine, Rick and Mike Westbrook. We all went out to Kenny's place and we had a good time. Did some night flying, did some afternoon flying. Actually did a semi podcast round table. Kenny did with Sloan, a buddy of ours and put that at the end of the podcast last week. If any of you guys have heard it, that's where it came from. Right. So last week I invited, actually I invited quite a few people out for night flying. The location that I, that I fly at and it's not very far from me. It's about 20 miles is all, which is awesome. I mean, you know, for 15, 16, 17 years, I've been driving to Austin and for the last three months I've been driving to Kingston to go fly. 
So that that's a uh, that was a needed break on that. But we had an event out there. I invited quite a few. There was a few people that that said they were going to come that did not show. It's and anywhere in Austin to the Kingsland Field, it's about an hour and a half drive. It's not very short. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's yeah. I wished I wished other people could have made it, but you know it is what it is. Maybe next time. True. But the field itself lends itself to really good flying in the morning, okay flying in the afternoon, and then in the evening it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Unless there's cloud cover. Unless there's cloud cover, which there was none. The sun is right in your eyes, and you have to fly to the south to actually more like the south east to try to get out of the path of the suns just so you can see but when it gets dark out there it is dark yeah it is very dark it is country dark and that is awesome for traditional night flying so last weekend we did two types of flying we did traditional night flying so that was referred to from a gentleman by the name of Shannon Turner as old school. Old school. Old school. I did old school night flying and had a blast. And then Richard Sloan and Mike, they did uh, spotlight flying. And spotlight flying is fun as well. It's kind of daylight flying if you're shining spotlights on the model, but uh, that's neither here nor there. I think it's different. I think it's almost like... It is different. It's almost like light towers, but it's... I don't know. It, you, I don't it know. is you, different. No, it's, it's no completely doubt. completely different. Because if the spotlight guys don't stay up with the model and you lose it, then you lose it. Yeah, you just hit hold. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. It's done. I, I prefer to spotlight with tail blades and main blades lit up. That's the preferred way I like to spotlight fly and fly in light towers because if, if they get behind you, you still have the blades and tail blades. And if you're in the light towers and you go into the dark, you still have the blades and tail blades. So you can still fly the model, but I didn't have any of that stuff stuff that weekend. But I'll say this, uh, everybody that spotlight flew, uh, had a good time. Mike, that was the first time he's ever done anything like that. And so going into it, he was real nervous, but afterwards <laughs> he relaxed quite a bit and you know, it, it is fun. Um, you just have to make sure you stay up with the model and, and something that I always tell myself is, especially when I'm flying like that, if I'm flying under spotlights or under, light towers is remember where the model and what it was doing the last time if you if it goes into the dark and comes back in so a lot of times you can fly through it and then you'll get it back true but sloan he probably did one of the (laughs) best flights ever ever that i've seen him fly that night under the spotlights and so when you look at us, uh, I was on, on one side of Sloan, and Richard, you were on the other side, right? Yeah, I was on his left. 
you were on his left, I was on his right. Well, Sloan decided that he was going to fly over on his right <laughs> side most of the time. Yay me, yay me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, there is that one point in time where he's he's on the edge of the runway and I'm spotlighting, uh, holding the spotlight for him just behind the edge. I don't know how far back we were, probably 20 feet. Yeah, 20 feet or so. And uh, there's that one point in time that he scared the crap out of me. <laughs> So I gave him a hard time afterwards. I, I told him, I said, out of all the field that you could fly in, you decided to fly directly in front of me. Yeah. Yeah, it but really it was fun. We had a blast. I remember what he, sled, what he said afterwards was, did anybody get that on video? Yeah, and I told him, yeah. Yeah, we got that on video. <laughs> That's what you want to hear. We'll tell it to you. <laughs> yep. can't, I can't spotlight and do the video at the same time. <laughs> No, but that was a tremendous flight that he did. That was good. Yeah, it was good. It was. Yeah, that was with the Spectre 700 with the Azure blades on it. Yes. Yeah, that's what he was flying. And Mike was flying the uh, miniature aircraft 730E. Is that right? I don't know. the. It's the miniature aircraft current version 700. I don't yeah, know it's the, the actual... $815 version. Yeah which I think was the 730, but I might be wrong about that. Yeah, the model looks really good. Um, it did. He flies it very well, even though, I mean, when he was flying at night, he was a little nervous at first, but you could tell quickly he got into his own, his normal yeah. rhythm. But. Yeah, once he was in the air for a couple of minutes, everything, he started to relax and started to fly the model. And you could tell there was a couple of times where there was a pucker factor. Yeah, there's a couple of black spots that he didn't know. Yeah. Were out there. But he was running the what kind of blades was he running? The Rotor Tech Ultimates. Yes. So those are black with the orange tip. Correct. And the blades showed up real well. Yeah, the black part of the blades not so much, but that that orange tip showed up really, really nice. Yes. I was really impressed with that. It's cool. It was. And then me, I did traditional night flying where I did traditional. Okay. Old school, <laughs> old school night flying where I had lighted blades. I had a wrap down the tail boom and a, and a wrap on the tail, the, the vertical fin. And then I had, I had lights on the skids I had lights on the uh, boom supports and I had lights on the canopy and everything is LED, of course. And so whenever I flew, you know, we shut everything off and, and this place goes black. Man, that was a lot of fun. That was a blast. You're running all that on 2S, right? No, the, on the canopy, I was running that on, on 2S and then, and then everything else was on 3S. Mm. So I had two different packs. I had one pack that was mounted to the canopy and I had one pack that was, that I had mounted on the frame. And then I had a little spider set up connector set up to where I could plug in all the rest of the lights all at once and then plug straight into the, 
the battery pack and then that lit up everything else. That's cool. I, your the back end of your heli was pretty bright in my opinion, but it's just my humble opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually would like to see what it would have looked like on 2S. I thought it was all 2S. I didn't realize that you were running 3S on the back end. Well, I ran 3S just because I was spreading the the voltage out to several places. True. And I can try it on 2S. It's just the 3S is what I had. But it's um, your helicopter. You're the guy looking at it, so. I actually thought the helicopter looked great in the air. Um, That's all that matters, actually. I had uh, Richard and Sloan both tried to take some pictures of the model. And unfortunately, whenever you're taking pictures with a camera, a cell phone camera, uh, whenever you, whenever it flashes, it just blows out the picture with white. Yeah, or the LEDs overpower the the camera itself. I have a couple pictures, but none of them really turned out well. Yeah. You really need a manual camera for that type of yes. pictures. The other thing that we could have done that I didn't think about until after the fact was is if somebody would have videoed the flight, then we could have just taken a snippet out of the video. Mike has a video of it from, uh, from above. For night flying? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. He had a Mavic Air up there. Okay. It actually turned out pretty. I mean, you can't see a ton and it's, you know, it's a dis, you know, it's a distance away, but I don't know. It's definitely hard to photography night helicopters. Yes. So one thing I want to make a correction on, not, not a correction. I just want to add to, Last week when we were talking about the night blades, or excuse me, the, the canopy setup, I used LEDs and I just used them in one point, basically outlining the, the window, if you will. And what I'd said is that you could put like packing tape on the LEDs to hold them down. And, and that's a true statement, but I don't use packing tape. I use a clear tape that's about three quarters of an inch wide. And then what I did is, is I put the tape down over the LEDs, fixed it to the canopy, put the tape down over the LEDs. And then I took, the, I believe it's Zap Shugu, just something, a clear adhesive that, that I could put down on the end of the tape just to hold everything down, make sure that the end of the tape is not coming up. And I also put that on the wires itself just to hold the wires in place. And then I took zip ties and about every two and a half to three inches, I put a zip tie around the LED. Yeah, that actually looked really good. I've, I had never done the zip ties, you know, every two or three inches around it and definitely helps for holding that down. I like that idea. Well, the last thing I want is an LED strip to come off. Uh, they make adhesive backing for the LED strips. And I guess if everything is real clean and everything that you can use that. I don't know if that works perfectly or not. Uh, the canopies that I've seen previously from other people that they've set up had uh, zip ties where they'd punch a hole through the canopy itself and zip tie the LED in place because 
you certainly don't want LEDs getting into the blades. <laughs> you know, you don't want to wrap the LEDs all the way around the main shaft. <laughs> no, that would be really bad. <laughs> be funny. The overall effect, it was successful. I put three flights on that night. I would have probably put a little bit more, but I was having charging problems with my charge box. So I got three good charges out of it. I put three good flights on it. And one thing about night flying, uh, when you have a model that's lit up, it is super, super, super easy to see that model. Yeah, you could definitely see it for way better than what I expected. Yeah. It is on my list to get one set up somehow, so forth. Yeah, and like I said the last week, that model was the E5. And so my plan is to try to leave that as a dedicated machine or buy components that uh, you know, I'm going to leave the canopy alone, maybe get another canopy and then make it easy to turn it into a night machine. Yeah, you could flip-flop it. Or day. You just need a couple more components so you don't have to mess with it. I did order another battery for it, an HRB stick battery, 12S3300. So that should be here this next week. So you're going to have two batteries for it? Yes. Well, the battery that I have on it right now is almost two years old. August will be two years. And you can hear it. The, the RPM comes down a little bit quicker than what I would expect it to. I mean, it's still holding itself, but yeah, uh, I didn't hear any head speed issues. Well, at night I didn't push it as hard as like during the day, I'll fly it a little bit harder. And that's the first time I've night fl flew in quite some time. I have flown at night, but we've been flying under the spot, not spotlights, but the light towers. Yeah. At events and so forth. So I just wanted to go back to, I guess my roots where I started out night flying because that's what I enjoy the most. It just takes a little bit of effort to get it all set up. As soon as you get it set up and you have the system, there's very little effort to, to get it going again. Oh but. yeah. I mean, I had most everything ready to go. All I had to do is set the model down, lay out the LEDs, wrap the boom, uh, put the, put the LEDs on the skids and, and on the boom supports, put the night blades on. And I probably spent, I don't know, two and a half hours getting all that done, maybe three hours tops. And, and once you have everything prepped, then there, there is a transformation of taking that model from, from this and and uh, from daytime to nighttime. And that's the thing that's probably steers most people away is just setting up a night bird is time consuming. Yeah, the only thing I could say that when I did it all the time, when it started to get afternoon, let's say the sun was going down at 7.30 or something, when it started getting about 5.30, 6.30, I would 
pull that model out and start switching everything over while it was daylight still. Because if you wait until it's completely dark to start switching stuff over, it's going to be a pain. Yeah. Try to try to get that switch over done if you are going to convert a helicopter into night fly. Get it done while the sun's still up. And, way and the other thing, the other thing you need to do while the sun's still up. Once you get that model set up for night flying, then it's it's an absolute must. You got to take it out there, put it into a hover, make sure that there's nothing odd because you're changing out the main blades for night blades. You've got all these LEDs. You just don't want no surprises at night. Yeah, you don't want to have to have a gain issue or shake or head shake or something right because the night blades are a little heavier tail blades are a little heavier you may have to tweak something now last week i did not have to um yeah i was actually pretty close as far as my setup but the uh, axon that i'm flying on that model i just flew it i set it up previously on one bank so i wasn't going to be switching banks so I, I set it up in one bank and that's the bank I was going to fly for night flying in and it worked well. I mean, it's I, all my prerequisites I checked off and the end result was successful. Yeah. You didn't plow it in the ground. <laughs> I did not plow it in the ground. That's all that matters. So I might, if I can find another E5, uh, I might get another E5 and then make that one permanently a night machine. But I don't know. That's, that's one of those things you guys kind of pointed out. Eh, looking at that model on the, on the rack and, <laughs> and pulling it out once every, yeah, it you kinda know, hurts or not once every, but every three times a year or something, you know, that, that would bite. So. Yeah. If, when I first said it, you're like, Oh, that's going to be no big deal. <laughs> You start looking at it, you're like, hmm. Yep. And then you want to go fly it during the daytime, but then you don't want to crash it with all the lights on it. So. I don't know. I wouldn't fly that one with a – I have to switch it back over to daytime flying now. I would say you could leave the boom wrap on it and the tail fin and just don't power them. Uh, it would but, drive me nuts, dude. <laughs> it would drive me nuts to see that on there. <laughs> and just put some electrical tape over it <laughs> it's not that it's just you know i want the model to be right if 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 i'm gonna fly it during the day then i want it to look correct well, yeah the way it's supposed to yes the way I it's understand. supposed to you want to go check on your meat before you get in your hrbs uh yeah i'll be right back You there? I am here. I am there. I am everywhere. I had to take a sample. Uh, it's good. It's good. I mean, cooking it long enough. <laughs> well, the brisket's I, off. I had some pork chops on there too. I've never been able to cook a brisket worth a damn. I'm too impatient. 
and it costs too much money if I screw it up. My brother does a good brisket. But I normally don't have enough people to feed. Actually, I do cook a good brisket. They used to sell a HEB pre-cooked and pre-sliced. <laughs> and I would barbecue that. Yeah. I've been practicing cooking briskets now for quite some time. I'm pretty good at it. They're just not cheap. No, it's not. You screwed it's not up. Not the best cut of meat out there, but it'll yeah. feed a bunch of people. It'll feed a bunch of people. Thing about briskets it is it needs salt, a lot of it. Maybe that's what it keeps screwing up. It's got a lot of. Well, you gotta. There's techniques in it. It just it needs salt. Uh, you've got to render down the fat content that's in the meat. And that just takes time. Anyway, I'm through with my sample. It was good. <laughs> I bet. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. So you want to talk about batteries next? Yeah, so you ordered a th another or an HRB? I did. I ordered an HRB 12S 3300 for the E5. And I have a, uh, I have something I wanted to correct from from a comment that I made last week, which was how the batteries. You asked me about why the batteries were different with HRB. Correct. I said that the connectors were crossed. Now, I'm not completely inaccurate on that. Yeah. So, yeah, like. Last week we had said that the connectors were crossed and I went back and I edited the podcast and we switched it to flipped and rotated instead of crossed. Okay. So, so if people listen to it, I think there were 60 downloads or something like that. So if you heard us mentioning the word crossed, it wasn't crossed as far as like positive and negative crossed or something like that. It was just an orientation. Right. We took the balance lead on one side and zip tied it to the battery connectors on the other side. Yeah. So the orientation of the balance lead went out with the right or the correct positive and negative. Correct. So when the, the HRBs that I have now, I don't know if they're doing them differently today, but the HRBs that I have that are stick packs, uh, what makes them different is they literally, they've got two batteries that are end to end. And so when you look at the batteries and if you put with the stick pack, the way it's made, you'll have connectors on two connectors on one side and two connectors on the opposite side and on the end, they're all on the end. And what, what HRB is doing is they're just adding the length to the connector to the wire itself and bringing them. So that way all the connectors are in the front. And same with the balance leads. All the balance leads are in the front. So how would you check that? We kind of went over it last week, but we talked about it. But what would be the correct way to check which balance lead goes to what connector, no matter what brand it is? Well, if you, take, if you just take a voltmeter and you go from your positive terminal on your battery to the negative terminal, the furthest terminal away, 
on your uh, balance lead, then that's going to tell you the pack voltage. If you have the right, if, if it's an HRB like mine, it'll tell you the back pack voltage. If you don't get pack vo voltage, then you're not going to get the, then you do not have the correct balance lead. That would be a good explanation to verify. So what, what HRBs has done is when you look at the, the stick pack, the balance lead, literally it comes out with the positive and negative connectors for the battery. And so it appears face value that the balance lead goes with that set of connectors. And uh, same with the opposite side. If you charge it like that, it's not going to charge right. It shows you a false cell voltage. It, it'll it'll start to charge, but you're not. What you're doing is you're trying to charge through the balance lead of one. Yeah, it's just it just all crossed up. Yeah, that that part of it is is mixed up. Yeah. You just so that. that's the reason why we we verify the voltage between the positive and the furthest most negative on the balance lead to verify that you have the right pack. And then we take that balance lead and we zip tie it across uh, to on the other side, which would be the connectors. Yeah, that's what I do on mine. I'll probably be checking all of my stick packs in, in the future with the voltmeter just to verify verify what's what. Like yeah, something and you, I never did in the past, but in the future, I probably will be doing that. If you take a voltmeter and you go from the positive to the furthest most negative, you're going to get the, the total pack voltage. If you go one balance lead in, then you're going to get the cell count for the pack minus one cell. Correct. And the further you go in, the you just keep on decreasing the cell count. True. And so it's the voltage for uh, however many cells that you're measuring. And if you guys want to test this, you can test this on a 6S5000 or something like that just to put a, put a meter on it just to be able to see and verify. You'll be fine. I did it before the podcast tonight on a 6S5000 just to have clarification of what we were talking about was actually true. So Synergy stores back open. From what I'm seeing online, people are saying some people have That's, ordered stuff from the current store. I looked. Uh, uh, Matt put a notice out there the other day that the Synergy store was back open, so I went over to the Synergy store, and they are in fact back open. It seemed fast. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, it was just the seemed time quick. that he needed to move from one location to Ohio, uh, wherever that was, and. You know, of course, then he's got to unpack and get everything set back up. That's good. Very good sign. I'm happy he's uh, continuing, continuing selling, selling product. Yes. I'm probably going to, in the future, just to try to support Matt a little bit more, is I'm going to try to start running Synergy Blades for the models I have just to try to help him out as much as possible. I don't know if anybody else has that idea, but there was an idea that I had after listening to some podcasts and such the other day. 
Well, you know, and the bonus is, is that the rail blades are good blades. They're awesome blades. Yeah, I've never had an issue with them. It's just, you know, I was dabbling here or there, getting some switches or so forth and so on. But, I, you know, with his current situation, I think, I, I don't know how much Matt needs help, but I believe, you know, if if us guys can start running Synergy Blades a little bit more, if you can, uh, anything helps in this department to help him get parts and manufacturing back up and everything back to where it needs to be. I think it'll help. Awesome. So last week you touched on this frame scraper tool or deburring tool or something. Yes. Uh, and I sent you a link for that. So that way it could be put on the uh, website. I don't know if you did. Yeah. I shoved it on the show notes last week. We just didn't, we kind of hit on it a little bit, but jumped back over it. So last week when I was talking about this, I told you I used this to scrape the corners of carbon frames. And I do. That's what I do with this thing. And it's called a deburring tool. Now, the one that I have is Snap-on. And I have several different sizes with different hook styles. Some of them are, are 90 degrees. Some of them has a little bit of an S to them. And these are just designed to get into different places or different shapes. They work really, really well. Yeah, I just have to try them. That's one of those things that I have to try before I buy it, <laughs> just to see how it works. But definitely a cool tool to have. Yeah, well, they use this in the automotive world, uh, you know, body repair. And anyway, it's it's what I use for deburring the corners so they're so they're not so sharp uh, i think richard made the comment last week that he takes sandpaper and does and uses a like a wet sandpaper wet yeah, I try dry to, sandpaper yeah i try to keep it wet in the sink so you don't have the carbon fiber running into my lungs and so forth and so on and using a dirty deburring tool uh, all it's going to do is just it's just flakes. It's just going to fall. I don't know. I don't yeah. really think that they're going to be floating in the air. Yeah, and I certainly wouldn't use a, any type of electric sander or oh pencil no. sander. Oh no. Not. So. But anyway, that's all it is. Cool. I did start a new project. Projects. Yes, projects. Um, what project is this? In N5C. I'd mentioned it before. Uh, now that the night flying bird is up and running. And an N55 or an N5C? N5C. Torque tube? Yes. So current version, the current latest version of the N5C? The current latest version of the N5C. The current version of the Nitro would be the 556. Correct. Uh, but I don't have one yet. I will. That's my plan. But I found somebody that was selling an M5C basically really cheap, just the airframe. And I ended up getting two airframes, one complete one, one airframe that's about 90% complete. Awesome. And two canopies. And I bought this whole thing for 200 bucks. Awesome. 
So I just didn't think I could go wrong on that. No, that's a good deal. I'd have probably picked 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 something like that up myself, but I, I don't fly. And I'm right. putting a a 55 and OS 55 HCR uh, with the coinciding uh, OS pipe. I wish Matt had a Protune for the OS, but he doesn't. Yeah, it's it's kind of a null market, so I don't know for him to dabble into. That's cool. I'm glad you got that. Uh, so that's what you bought to touch on buy and sell. So I bought a little bit more KDS 7.2 crap, ordered a couple of things that were missing here or there. It keeps, every time I turn around, there's another $7 of shipping I have to pay to get some more bearings or another piece here or there. But it is what it is. I'll eventually get it put back together. So I ended up getting in the mail the other day a TS100 soldering iron. And I first opened it up and thought, man, I need to stay off of Amazon when I'm drinking. <laughs> so I was like, I really don't remember buying this. And I didn't look at my Amazon account because my wife and kids use it all the time. But So I unpackaged it and looked at it. And in the package, there was a little note that said, mm. so in the package, there was a little note that said, party on dude from Rick. So... A friend of mine, Rick, bought me a TS-100 with the power supply and everything. So, Really? Yeah. So I've got a TS-100 that showed up at my door that I didn't actually pay for, <laughs> that I thought I actually bought in the first place, but I didn't. It was actually given to me by a friend. So it's pretty cool. I've powered it up. I may need to extend the cord from the wall a little bit from the power supply or something, but works great temps up fast. I have to learn how to adjust it and stuff because I've, I've used one in the past, but just barely. So thanks. It will get used. Hopefully I don't abuse it. <laughs> I need to get a little container and box to hold the power supply in solder and so forth and so on. But it's cool. So on your extension cord, just, uh, uh, what was the name of that movie, uh, National Lampoon Christmas, <laughs> uh, where they're plugging in the Christmas tree yeah, and the lights got, and the ones on top of the house. and Yeah, and they have one wall socket with all these extension cords plugged into it. Just do that. You'll be fine. Yeah, that's what it looks like right underneath my desk. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it takes to run a monitor, lights, two lights, a laptop. Yeti blue and everything else, but yeah, that was that was really cool. Appreciate it. Nice to have people look after me. I've been wanting to buy one for a long time. I've just been lazy, not lazy, but just keep using the same old thing I always use, even though it's crap. Who is this guy? You have to wait and see. <laughs> I guess. But yeah, I've I've had people buy me stuff in the past and. The only downside I say from when people buy me stuff or give me stuff is I can't sell it. I have to keep it forever. I don't, I don't know if you feel that way. I always feel that way. If somebody gives me or buys me something and like, luckily in this, in this case, I'm going to, you know, I can use this for the rest of my life type, type of deal. It's not like blades or a helicopter or something like that. This is something I'll always have. So it'll be cool. 
I'm sure I'll end up having to build some night blades or something for them. <laughs> awesome. Twisted into it. But uh, OptiPower Fuels I saw on Facebook last week as far as news and stuff. Um, it looks like Shannon's going to carry that fuel. Have yeah, I saw that. About that. I looked at the dealers in the, in the U.S. and Shannon was one of the dealers. I saw that as well. I th I need to call Shannon and see if he can hook me up on a buddy deal. A <laughs> buddy deal. Yeah, you have to drive up to Virginia and get it. That'll be the buddy deal. <laughs> but that'll actually be really good if Shannon can actually have fuel at Funflies for people to buy. Um, I, I, I think that'll be a decent market for him to get into. I'm sure people will have no problem purchasing fuel at events. So I think that's something good to have. I don't know what it's going to cost or how much it costs, or I don't know anything about the fuels that the fuel itself, but OptiPower fuel shouldn't be, should be good. Batteries are good at least. <laughs> yeah. I still have, I think eight gallons of the rotor rage. So didn't OptiPower come out with fuel first. I, I don't remember. Yeah, I, I want to say off the top of my head without doing any research on it that they actually can't. They actually were providing fuel before batteries. But I'm probably 100% wrong on that. <laughs> or not. Or not. That was a long time ago. But that's about all I've been up to and had and so forth and so on. Kind of a short episode, but Brent's, Brent's out and he's probably building a strike seven right now. We'll see if I can get a hold yeah, of him. Yeah, he posted a picture on uh, Facebook today that he was out flying this mo this morning for Father's Day. Brent's probably up to building Strike 7 stuff. Definitely enjoy looking forward to seeing that build. Uh, Raquel put out a video on Facebook today with her flying the Strike 7 and the 550. They were really good videos, so. I actually haven't seen either one. I've been working on an N5C and I've been cooking a brisket all day long. Mm. Cooking. It is Father's Day, so if any of you guys out there barbecuing like Kenny is. Well, <laughs> actually, I'm not doing this for myself. I'm doing this for my son. Mm. I have a request next Saturday my granddaughter is is being baptized so they've asked me to cook a brisket so you cook it a week ahead of time well it's on saturday basically morning and there's just no other time so yeah i've done that before there's a reheating process slash technique <laughs> that you can do to uh, bring it back and it'll be good i've done it before that's cool well you got anything else it's about 5 p.m here and i'm sure you've got stuff you need to get to and I'm sure there's stuff I need to get to a little bit of a short episode this week, but here's what it is. No, I think that's it. That'll be it. Brent can take us out. All right. Don't forget to visit the Houdini Heli podcast, Facebook page. Also listen to our other friends in the podcast realm. We have the Heli heads, skids, yard sale, Gucci and fence post. Freefall RC with Kevin, Steve, Andy, and George. 
Skids Up with Paul, Frank, and Javier. BK Podcast with Bert and Kyle. Telerotor with Rich, Michael, Robert, and Mike. And Inverted Down Under with Ozzy Mozzy and Jeff Smart. And RC Element with Todd. And last but not least, Bill and YouTube. So check him out on YouTube. Nice. If you need to get a hold of me, you can send me a message on Helifreak as R Spiegel. You can shoot me a message on Facebook at Richard Spiegel or shoot me a message on the Houdini RC Heli podcast Facebook page. Either of those will work. Kenny, can they contact you? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you can reach me on Helifreak or Run Rider at Kenny S. Uh, you can also reach me on Facebook at Kenny Sierra. And you can reach me at Brent Gottlieber on, on Facebook and then also on Heli Freak as Teacher Brent. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Stay in the box. Have a great week, guys. See ya. Yeah, you guys take care and we'll go out and fly. Later. See ya.